0: book of Acts. And just go ahead and go to Acts chapter 1. We're going to move quickly through some of these these books here. I'm just going to move quickly through these. Have you had a good week? Hey, anybody saved? Anybody know Jesus? Anybody going to heaven? Then who had a good week this week? Last week, we started on the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. Several weeks back, we looked at the Father. Fear of God, taking hold of that. We must walk in that uh, awe, that reverence, and knowing that without Him, boy, we are sunk. And that creates a great... Uh, a, a great dependency upon our Father. We spent the, uh, the following two weeks between uh, Brother Curtis and myself talking about following Christ Jesus, running out the race that we've been called to, and then last week we started it on the Holy Spirit. As We're just kind of looking at some basics here. So we talked about the Holy Spirit. Real quick, uh, just a review. The Holy Spirit is a person. Amen? We must be filled with Him. Amen? We must be. It's part, I mean, He is our stamp for eternity. You know, he convicts of sin, leads us into all truth, teaches us, brings to mind the truth. That's always fun when that happens. Helps us daily, leads us in praying and intercedes for us. And he empowers us to do the will of the Father. Okay, do we need the Holy Spirit? Do we talk enough about the Holy Spirit? No, well, we don't. He is, of the three, He's the one, if you want to get technical, is with us daily. You say, what about Jesus? Okay, yes, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus. But where is Jesus technically? The right hand of the Father. Where's the Father? On the throne. You say, oh, this is getting confusing. Well, we'll get to it another time. So Holy Spirits are day-to-day, day-to-day, daily, in and out. Here we are. Holy Spirit is what we have. And he gets talked about the least. Now, not that we have to spend tons and tons and tons of tons of Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that. No. But we need to be constantly mindful of that, how the Spirit works, that He moves. And one of the things I want to talk on today and just deal with today is the fact that He does empower us to do the will of the Father. If you don't have the Holy Spirit empowering you to do the will of the Father, then you're using your own strength, and are you going to do the will of the Father then? No, you're going to do your own will, which stinks. (laughs) It does. Our own self-righteousness is like filthy rags under His nostrils. Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, very quickly. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will, what? Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why will you receive power? That you will be my, what? Witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask you a quick question, uh, Janie Sinclair. Barbara is just happy I didn't call on her. <laughs> I was looking at you, Barbara, and I was going to be nice. I'm going to get Janie today. Who will receive power according to Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Who will? We will. Make sure your neighbor understands that. Who will receive power? Oh, don't look at me. I already know it. Look at your neighbor. Who will receive power? I will receive power from the Holy Spirit. I will receive. Now you say, hold on. Wasn't he just talking to the disciples and the apostles? Don't we see throughout Acts there's time says, and the apostles did a miraculous wonders, and the apostles did this. Sure, but there's also other areas such as 2 Timothy 1.7 who says, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of? And who was he talking to? So, Janie, just to clarify for this bunch of people, who will receive power? We all will receive power. Amen? Amen. Okay, so nobody in any way, shape, or form can sit here now and say God is holding out on you because I've been around the block a couple times, and I'm only 45. I know there's the ones older than me that are going, oh, shut your mouth, whippersnapper. But I've been around the block enough to know that there are people thinking that, oh, God just overlooks me, God just doesn't want to use me, God, hogwash. All of us in Christ Jesus will be empowered through the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, where? Where? in one place. The King James every once in a while just jumps out at me because it's got some words that are really, I like them. The King James says they were in one accord. One accord. And what that means is they were brought together around one common purpose. So let me give this uh, very clear. It's basically saying they were in one place in complete unity. Look at your neighbor and just say, Unity. It might be your wife, and I'm hoping they understand when you say unity. 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 See, I have really, I believe this wholeheartedly, folks. The beginning of what, when the Holy Spirit begins to empower us, do you know what, to, to do something amazing, which is what He wants to do all the time, what that starts to look like when the, the people. Of the body are beginning to seek His face and say, "Lord, not me, but You. I can do nothing without You. But Holy Spirit, You are my strength. You are my, You are the truth. You are the one that brings that to light. You are the empower. You are the equipper. Here I am. You know what starts to happen as people begin to as the body starts to do that. The first sign that something's on the horizon is supernatural unity." Don't miss what I'm about to tell you because that is one of the first signs that something major is on the horizon. A unity. Not, and it's not a unity against something. You got what I'm saying? That's political. You get unified against something rather than unified around truth. One of the first signs, I believe, that something big is on the horizon, we see a unity in the body, whether it's in a local congregation such as our own or amongst the body of believers. I remember in the late 60s and early to mid-70s, there was a mighty outpouring and a unity that took place. It started amongst the hippies, known as the Jesus People Movement powerful, powerful time. People everywhere that you would never... You, they were the ones you didn't even want to think about praying for. There's no way they were ever going to come to know Jesus. We're coming to know Jesus and leading thousands, hundreds and thousands to, to, to Christ. Then we saw a, small, a, a bit of a, a move of, of God like that in the end of the 90s, 97, 98, 99, 2000. Somewhere around we began to see a move like that and, 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 and brought about... Now you're saying, you mean, there's periods of time? Yeah, I do believe there's a periods of time in the Lord's timing where an outpouring begins to just draw the church. But it does not stop the body of believers from continuing to seek His face and be used mightily at all times. Amen? And so what happens is this. We see this unity begin. You say, okay, so they were in one accord. Well, let me just read to you real quick Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. People today in the body, in the church, would be like, who are these nuts? They were supernaturally unified body of believers. You say, well, I don't get it. Acts chapter 4. Let me just read this to you real quick. When they heard this, they raised their voices together and they sought the Lord together. They were in what? One accord, they were in unity. Verse 32: "All the believers were one in heart and mind." Whoa. This was all before we began to see a melt of outpouring through the body of believers, the body of Christ, that began to shake the world. How many know that that first church in, 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 in shook the world? How many know that? How many think that in any way is pretty cool? What if they came along and shook your world? But I go to church. Well, you might need some shaking, though, because going to church means nothing. Being the church is what it's about. So I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, when there begins to be a move and people are seeking Him, you begin to see the supernatural unity, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that is so awesome. Awesome. And these people, they'd be so tight together. They would be so bonded together that, you know what? The world would look and go, wow, how did they all join together like that? How did they go to the Colosseum and all love each other right before the lions were going to tear them apart? How were they so pumped and loving each other? Because they were what? One heart, one mind. They were in unity. And there was only one that can bring that about, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Oh, come on. Are you with me just for a few moments? Is there unity in this church, then, that can only be attributed to the Holy Spirit? I'm not saying is there unity at White Hill based on how good some ladies know how to make some dinner. Is there unity around Mickey Weaver's peanut butter cookies? Yeah, there is, man. Yeah, (laughs) If you've had them, you are unified with me on that. She's not even here for me to praise her cookies, although I do it all the time. No, is there supernatural spirit led unity amongst us? I sense it. I sense things beginning to happen. And you only know what that means if we continue to press in. Something's on the horizon. Oh, come on, come on. Anybody happy? I, I, I hear like five people. Yeah, everybody else is like, oh, man what the heck is he talking about? I do think the Lord's going to be, and and I will tell you this, not a person in here has any clue what God's about to do. So don't look to me or anybody else. Lord, you do your thing. We want to see people know you and be known by you. (laughs) So once you're on it, it's really cool. Once, Once you're on... it's got a power of its own, this unity thing that starts to happen. And all you can do is just go along for the ride. And that's the cool part. And see, that's what happened. Multiply that. If you've ever seen it before where you just see a beginning, a movement, a supernatural unity where people are just surrounded by the things of the Lord. Now multiply that 10,000 times over, and that's the book of Acts. That's what happened. The body of believers were so tight around who? And the Holy Spirit binding them together, one heart, one mind. What did the rest of the world do? They didn't even dare join them. That's why, that's why the religious folks got all freaked out. Whoa. That's why they rationalized murder and killing. Whoa. What is going on here? We have got to, this is something going on here. Let's jump back here real quick. Acts chapter 2. So unity is what starts to happen when we have power. But then, verse 2 through 4, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, as I shared with you guys last week, there's two, kind of, two different words that kind of work with the word filling, especially with, regarding the Holy Spirit. In Spirit's work, we have pleru, which means a filling inwardly. The Holy Spirit beginning a work in you that has everything to do with living Jesus, that has everything to do with your salvation, that has everything to do with that. But then we see more the word that's used in Acts chapter 2 is pletho. Pletho is an outward filling, it's an equipping, preparing you and me for ministry so what happened in that upper room well immediately immediately the moment it happened they step outside and what took place a big old evangelistic church service they don't they didn't all just hang out together for a few minutes for a long time after no they stepped outside and they're just praising the lord and people came to know him I mean, I want you to think about what the church goes through these day, this day and age to try to get people to come to church. Think about it with me. So, A lot of the things I think are kind of cool. I like the idea of having a coffee shop in the foyer. I really do. I really do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pressed. I like it, man. I like it. And we totally have to get stain-resistant carpet because I would love to have my big cup of coffee right here as I'm preaching and not breaking the rules. Now, I, I know I'm being a little facetious, and I'm not even mocking. I want you to think even what we have gone through years to try to get people to come. And yet, what happened in Acts chapter 2? Whoa, wait a minute, Dave. That was 2,000 years ago. That's not for now. Are you following me? Whoa, that was then. This is now. What's different other than we're thinking wrong? It's never been about how we get them here. It's who gets them here. I love Acts chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Can we look at it just real quick? Now they were staying in Jerusalem. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound. A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Verse 7 says they were what? Utterly amazed. When was the last time somebody walked through these doors and were utterly amazed by the power of God amongst His people? I can't make a cricket sound but that's what I just heard. <laughs> yeah, that didn't really wake you up. That's not condemnation. That's like, "Ooh, yeah. Okay. Lord, it is about you. Holy Spirit, it is about you." When was the last time you saw a non-Christian amazed at a gathering of believers? When was the last time uh, you know we saw bewilderment among those who didn't know Jesus? based on what was going on amongst the believers. When was the last time we saw that? Other than them thinking we're judging them or blah, 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 blah. When was the last time we saw it? I'm going to tell you, I've only seen it a few times. Now, I've heard of some powerful times. I've heard of powerful times where going on, a church service is going on, and, not, not, and the pastor's not leading it, the Holy Spirit's leading it, and it's moving in such a way that people driving down the road are compelled to pull in the driveway and come in here and repent. And they didn't know what was going on. That just happened a couple of years ago. I heard about that one, but I want to focus on a couple of years ago. I want to focus on 2019. You know, I heard uh, somebody had said one time, <laughs> "The church nowadays is neither super nor natural." I don't like that because our God is supernatural. The one we claim to serve is is supernatural. And yet our gatherings, now, I, I don't feel like that's fully the case in every situation, but I do think that at times, at times we can build something up that isn't there and completely overlook what should be there, you know? So, Lord, what we want is this place to just be supernatural. Just be filled with your supernatural power so that everything we say that happens here is not because we did it, but because you did it. You know? Now, how does that play out? Well, let's, let's look at Acts chapter 4 real quick, verse 13. Acts 4 13. Um, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were what? And see, here's the thing. They were amazed. They were utterly amazed. Look at these guys. They don't have schooling. They don't have a seminary degree. They haven't, they haven't taken, they're not part of any major gathering. But look at them. Listen to the authority they're preaching with. Listen to the power that's coming out of them. What's going on? And here's what I love, and this is what it should always, always be. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with who? That's called evangelism. That's witness. When the power of God comes flowing out of you in such a way, you share the gospel. They're not even hearing the words you're saying. What they're experiencing is the Spirit of God within you, totally reaching them, utterly, utterly amazed. Does that excite anybody? Or are you guys thinking about pot roast? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. When was the last time somebody was astonished? At our courage in proclaiming Jesus. Maybe I need to ask this. This was a question Francis Chan asked. He said, why is it that in the church so many people are weakened or defeated? Or we get so insecure because we look at ourselves rather than God? You know, why? He went on to say this, and I like what he said, so please bear with me here. We believe in this almighty, and if you agree with this, say amen. We believe in this almighty, just, intense, being, all-powerful, mighty God. And then he puts this spirit of power in who, Janie? Us. And our response every Sunday is to say, hi, welcome to our church. Here's your bulletin. We'll have you out of here in an hour. And please come back next week. Now I'm not making and mustering fun, because th- these are his words, okay? I do know there's a time and place for each thing, but do you see how we begin to lean on that, rather than the spirit of God to do the work? What we do is we start to present ourselves rather than present who. Does that make sense? Lord, don't want any part of that. Don't present yourself. He says this, is that all God intended for us? Does your life reflect the life of your Father in heaven? Does your life demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit God has given you? Have you given up on making a difference because you're trying so hard on your own? And I know I'm just kind of rocking this because I feel like sometimes this is the direction we need to take in order for us to see, and then we're going to get back to the fact that the Holy Spirit doesn't intend for us to stay this way. He wants to move mightily amongst us. So I'm going to ask you one last thing. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. You don't have to turn there, but it's just Jesus declaring that upon this rock, He will build His what? And the gates of will not prevail. Okay? The gates of hell will not prevail. So I'm going to ask you, White Hill, how would the gates of hell stand up against us? I don't like the crickets. How would the gates of hell stand up against us? I have, I, I'm not saying, I believe we, we're, we're entering a, 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 a powerful season of prayer and seeking the face of the Lord. Do I feel like we'd be utterly destroyed? Absolutely not. But do I believe that the Lord wants to raise us up even more? Absolutely yes. And not because of White Hill. Actually, here's the cool part. Have you ever noticed, and maybe you haven't, the more the Holy Spirit takes over, the less anybody has a clue who you are? The more the Lord moves, the less White Hill will ever be known. The more God moves, the less Dave Chappell will ever be, un, ever be heard, that name. Because they were looking at two men, and they were utterly astonished and amazed by how, what was going on with them. And what did they take note of? What's their names? Where do they live? Can I get their autograph? No. Where can I buy their latest book? No. They took note of the fact that they were with who? He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Oh, isn't that cool? There's no pressure then. Oh, good. I don't have to prove myself then. I don't have to build up this thing and create this look. But neither do I need to hide because, you know, Jesus is so awesome. He's so big. I want Him to get all the glory. I want this to be the church of Jesus. You know, it's not what we do. It's who we serve. Do you all believe that the church is supposed to be a powerful body that can crush hell? Oh, come on. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, church? That's what the Word says. Oh, it's already begun where He's under my feet because of Jesus. How many, as I finish this up, how many here know that this is what God wants today, right now? You know that? Is there anybody in this house that can stretch a muscle or move a joint that can say, that is me, and I want to be a part of that? You know what I mean? That's me. I want more of that. Well, you know what? Just Let's just lay all that down. Let's just say, hey, Holy Spirit, you just keep bringing us together. I'm going to stop taking, taking control here. I'm going to stop doing things in my own strength. I'm going to stop criticizing and being critical of what isn't and start taking hold of what is. And I'm going to start getting my eyes on what is truth, what is righteous, what is holy, what is good. I'm going to start declaring and allowing the fact that even though I don't feel like everything's good, the only good thing that's in me is Jesus. And that is more than enough good. That's awesome. Anybody hearing anything today? Holy Spirit wants to lead us. He wants to lead us into something way deeper, way deeper. Do you believe that? I challenge you. Does anybody have a newsletter? Did they grab a newsletter today? Anybody at all? Last week, you got it in your Bible or anything? Thank you, brother. I just want to read this real quick. And make sure you read it too. This is from David Platt, Pastor David Platt. I just want to read this. He said this, we are a part of a church, this is on the front, and I I transcribed it on here. We are part of a church culture that has created a whole host of means and methods for doing ministry that in the end require little, if any, help from the Holy Spirit of God. There's so much of what we do that we can go through the motions then without dependence on and desperation for the Spirit of God. Could it be that one of the greatest hindrances to the advancement of the gospel in the world today is not pagan idolatry, sinful sexual immorality, culture and cultures around the world? What if one of the greatest hindrances to the advancement of the gospel today is the attempt of the church of God to do the work of God apart from the power of the Holy Spirit? The reality is this. That this people, no matter how many of them there are, no matter how many resources, no matter how much money they have, no matter how many gifts and skills they have, apart from the Holy Spirit of God, the church will do nothing to shake the nations for His glory. In fact, the opposite is true. Another church could have the least number of people, the least gifted people, the least talented people, the least amount of money and resources, and that church, under the power of the Holy Spirit of God, can shake the nations for His glory. Amen? Do you see how we get things skewed? And do you see how we've suddenly put the Holy Spirit? But if you put the Holy Spirit here, you better put the book of Acts here, too. And if you put the book of Acts here too, you better put the rest of the New Testament here too. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll finish. Do we believe we can accomplish more in the next year under the power of the Holy Spirit than we could in the next hundred years in our own power? So let's be a people who are desperate for the Spirit and let's lead a people to be desperate for the Spirit. We are in a spiritual war that requires spiritual weapons. Amen? The Lord wants to create this gathering today, a gathering where He works so powerfully that we would actually experience that power and recognize there's a powerful God up there. We would just naturally fear Him. We would just naturally follow Him. And we would just naturally be filled by Him and be equipped to do what He's called us to do. White Hill, God's not done. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Holy Spirit, you are a powerful God. Holy Spirit, you came to equip us. You came to move in us and through us. Lord, I don't want to throw water. (laughs) I don't want to quench you oh my word, we don't want to quench you. In fact, if you, if you agree with me on this, we just, I really feel strongly we need to do this right now, just as a body. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for quenching you at any time that we've done that. We repent of that in Jesus' name. We repent of quen- I want to bring you and your spirit here and your move. If we've ever done that and in any instance, and Lord, if you want to bring to mind whenever we've done that, Lord, forgive us of that. Lord, forgive me of that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Anytime I have, uh, have quenched what you're doing out of fear, out of anger, out of frustration, out of my own will and desires, Lord, we lay it aside in Jesus' name. We repent and we look to you and say, you are the one that's in control. You are the one that empowers us to do your mighty will, and so be it. So be it. We want you to move. Here we are, Lord. Set a Pentecost amongst these people here today. Move amongst them, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your power, your glory, and your might. Now, Lord, continue to bind our hearts together as we seek you more and say, Lord, there is more. There's more to us being a body of believers Sometimes we think when we say there's more, God, there's got to be so much more, that we're oftentimes we're just thinking about what He can do for us. No, as a body of believers, there's more. As a church, there's more that God wants to do through us. And we believe and agree right now that you are more than able. So Holy Spirit, send your power just now. Holy Spirit, send your power. Equip us, change us, We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Mm. in Jesus' name.